Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander. I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, I really care about you. How are you doing? <laughs> it feels like it's getting like a little more sarcastic each <laughs> no, time. I, I don't I know why. Yes. No. I know you care. I am fired up. I'm excited for the fall. I, gotta, I just got to tell you, this last weekend, we had Leadership X Wisdom Event gathered together, leaders from all 10 of our campuses come together for a full day. And they're of, volunteers, right? Yeah, they're, they're not volunteers. on staff. They're, yep. Yep. They've been, they've been uh, faithful owners and uh, contributors at different campuses for a period of time. And so they came in for a day's worth of training and a tour and behind the scenes look. I'm just fired up. I'm still living on it. So I got the energy still flowing from this last weekend, ready for the fall. What about you? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I love the fall too. I, I mean, as we get into the fall season, I love just football. And, and we talked about this last time, but pumpkin spice stuff. I tried a few different pumpkin, pumpkin-y drinks. I'm all in. I'm okay. all in at that time. I've had apple. I went to apple orchard. Okay. Had apple pie. I mean, wow. this is like fall. This is what we do in Minnesota. So I, huh? I'm doing, doing great and excited to be here. Okay. That's good to know. I have not done any of those things. <laughs> I haven't been to an apple orchard. I have not had anything You've pumpkin. You've got a few months till the snow comes. Okay. That's months. good. I got to keep getting shifting for the fall, but okay. Uh, today you're the man that's going to bring the wisdom. Uh, and I'm looking forward to our conversation because we're going to talk about how to lead when you're not the expert. And so we're going to talk about a complex system that we lead in. And I think most leaders that are listening might have some tension with trying to lead in a difficult organization, or they are put in the chair where they're the ones that have to make a decision or they have to make a call and they're leading people, quite frankly, that know more than them. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. They might be the experts. And at the end of the day, they're the ones that have to kind of navigate that. They have to corral that team. They have to make a decision and appear competent in the middle of leading a team of experts. So you and I both do this. We lead people, quite frankly, that are better than us. Let's just <laughs> be honest. Yep. So uh, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about what it's like to lead when you're not the expert in the room? Well, yeah, I'm going to tee this one up, but I'm, I'm probably the right person to talk about this one because truly I'm not the expert in most of the rooms that I enter into. My job is the executive director of Creative Arts. Now, here are the teams that I lead, just to give some context to this. I lead the creative team. These are the media producers, the graphic designers, the motion graphic artists. I lead the communications and digital team. These are people who write all the copy, do all the writing for Eaglebrook Church, uh, oversee the app, all of our website stuff, all social media. I lead the production team. That's all the audio, video, lights, the person who was setting up our podcast equipment today, mm-hmm. the audio team. I lead the worship team. This is all the music, all the weekend service stuff, midweek stuff that we do. And uh, I partner with Jason for all the teaching team and message series content. Now, I say all that to tell you just a little secret. Yeah. <laughs> I am not the most creative arts person in the world. <laughs> Just to be crystal clear, I don't have a background creating videos. Well, I I did like back in the day, you know, on your phone. I mean, everyone's kind of done iMovie. a little bit. Yeah, yeah iMovie, right. yeah, <laughs> cell phone footage. Right. Uh, I'm not a graphic designer. Now, I was an English major with a journalism emphasis. That was my degree in college. Um, so I've got some of writing background, but honestly, when it comes to like 
other communications, digital tools, personal social media. I'm just not a huge fan of those things. I can't really turn on a soundboard. Um, but one time just recently, uh, our uh, lead lighting designer, Tommy, let me push a button nice. to execute a lighting cue, and yes. I felt great uh-huh. about that. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm not really you know, a worship leader. I mean, of course, like video, when back in the day when I was first starting ministry, I had to lead worship because <laughs> we didn't have anyone else who could do it. So I can play guitar, and you know, I took piano lessons, so I've got a little bit of background in music. Um, I do have a master's degree from seminary, but I gave my first message to adults at Eagle Brook Church in front of 20,000 people. So I'm far from an expert. Now, what's the point of me telling you any of that? The point is, again, I'm basically never the expert in any room or gathering of people on our staff. Okay, so the obvious question (laughs) is, why are you the leader for this team and how does this actually work? I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe our boss made a mistake. Maybe. Do you think they knew? Yeah, I, probably I'm not. Just kidding. No one else available. Yeah. <laughs> he knew full well. Um, and may, maybe a couple stories I unpack this will will help explain. Maybe again, I don't know if I'm the best leader for this team, but why maybe I'm an effective leader for this team. A couple stories I'll tell along the way. Just a couple weeks ago. For example, we were talking about the design of future buildings. Now, if you don't know, Eagleburg Church has 10 physical locations, and we plan on, God willing, to add more physical locations in the future. And so we talk about how to expand more efficiently, uh, efficiently, more effectively, cheaper, if, if I can say that. Um, and we were talking about these future buildings and the audiovisual lighting that we place inside of those buildings. Well, this meeting was an hour and a half, and first of all, it was in the afternoon, and I'm not great in the afternoon, so I tend to be a little more sleepy. <laughs> but at the end of the meeting, a few people uh, in that room were kind of chiding me for not speaking up. Now, just to give you some context, in the room, I had Dave Holvig, who oversees all of our worship ministries, and he's been on staff for 15 plus years, and Nate Nolan, who oversees all of our production, been on staff for 10 years, in the room. And they both report to me. Now, I'm their boss. But I let them carry the meeting. And why would I do that? Not because I didn't have any thoughts. I did have some thoughts, despite being sleepy in the afternoon. (laughs) But because I truly look at them as the experts. Now, not being the expert in any one of these particular skill sets actually allows me to be the kind of leader that I'm going to describe. Again, please hear me say, I'm not perfect at this. I've learned really difficult lessons. I still don't always do these things well. So this teaching is as much for me as as much for anyone. But because I'm not the expert, I've learned to do these things more effectively. And the truth is every one of us, Don, this will be true of you, but true of most pastors, leaders, uh, the, the teammates that you have, the, the volunteers that you lead, we have the opportunity to lead others who are frankly smarter, more equipped and more skilled in their particular field. There are people who lead teams as volunteers right now in our church who are leading CEOs, major business leaders. I mean, people who grew their business from the ground up, high capacity teachers and people who are um, way beyond in the education world. So how do these pastors and volunteer leaders lead others who are much smarter, more skilled and often more of an expert than they are. I think about sports. This is a great, you know, I, I hate to always go to the sports analogy, but, you know, oftentimes it's, it's crazy to think that Tom Brady, 
or Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. everyone's favorite quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, has a coach. Yeah. I mean, they are some of the most expert in their particular field as quarterbacks. They're the, the most highly skilled people in the world, LeBron James. They still have coaches, and those coaches are not better at their craft than they are. And yet, somehow, some way, these coaches figure out a way to become effective leaders for people who are more uh, have more of an expertise than they do. So that's what I want to talk about today. Yeah, I can't imagine how intimidating it is for those coaches. I'm a Chicago guy, Michael Jordan. You know, how's Phil Jackson going to lead Michael Jordan? I mean, how do you lead? people that are better than you, that are an expert. I think we all have to deal with this in some way. I, Whenever I pull up a chair to the campus pastor table and I look around the room at these all-star leaders, I'm intimidated every time. And I know that they're better than me. And so I have to figure out a way, how do I manage that when I'm not the expert? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So how do we do this? What's the first step in leading when you're not the expert? Yeah, I think the first thing is to ask questions. You got to start by asking questions. It starts with a posture. It's almost less about the questions that you're going to ask and more about your posture when you enter into a room because there's something inside all of us that wants to show what we know. (laughs) We want to tell people what we've read about, the things we've accomplished. We want to show people that we have the solution and the answer. And so the posture is, do I need to puff up and you know, kind of bow your shoulders and chest a little bit and act like I have a solution even when I don't? Am I secure or insecure in my uh, sphere of of expertise? Um, Am I insecure so much that I'm afraid to say to someone, you know what, I actually don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, What do you think? Um, Paul says this in Philippians 2.3, he says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And so the question I ask myself and that leaders should ask themselves is when you enter a room, what's your posture? Are you humble? Humble enough to, to be willing to ask questions, to realize that maybe you're not the person who has all the answers? Or are you insecure and wanting to prove that you belong at the table. People sniff that out right away, especially in our culture. Well, that can be especially difficult because leaders are often looked to as the person who does have the answer. And within each leader, I think, is a bit of ego where it's going to be really hard to say, I don't know the answer. And that's really the challenge for a leader is to say, maybe I don't know the answer. And especially, let's just even highlight, when you're new to a job, When you just have arrived on the job, you want people to look at you as competent and as knowledgeable. Maybe just for a second, talk to the new person. They're new in their job and they're approaching a bunch of experts because they probably have been there longer than they have, especially if they're new. And now they're going to lead these people. What would you say to someone new on the job? Maybe. And this is so important to get right because we have seen this done so poorly and so well just in our time at Eagle Brook of the way people start at a new position or a new organization. If they come in wanting to prove themselves, especially in those first 90 days, it is not going to go well. It never goes well if someone comes in acting like they have all the solutions and all the answers. Now, sometimes you're forced to come in with 
the answers because they've hired you to do it. Like, we've been waiting a long time. Please tell us what to do. I get that. But I'm telling you, and I had a, a mentor of mine um, who recently in the last couple of years has passed away, but John Hoganson, who taught me this 15, 20 years ago, he became senior pastor at a church in Matamidi, Minnesota, and they were looking to him to have solutions and answers. They'd been sinking for a while and they needed help. And he refused to give answers until he asked questions. He spent the first year trying to learn the history, the culture, asking the key stakeholders, the key owners, um, what they perceived to be the problem, what they perceived to be the solution. And because of that, he earned the right to come with the solutions later. But it's so important to come in, especially those first 90 days. In fact, if you've never read the book, The First 90 Days by Michael Watkins, fantastic book. It's more business principles, but it applies in all contexts about how to start a job well. And the first thing that he says to do is to learn all you can. And that's, how do you do that? You do that by asking questions. And people then take that as, oh, Don's humble enough to come in and ask and learn the way we've done it for the last several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So important. I love that. I think that's a great perspective to come and you try not to prove yourself, but actually just be a student in those beginning, for sure, 90 days, if not even the first year. And I think we just had this question in church. How can I help? You come in with that spirit. How can I help? If you want to take that to a next level, and this is a bit of a dangerous question for leaders to ask is how can I serve you? Yes. If you show up on the first and every first one-on-one you have with somebody that you're going to lead and you ask them, how can I serve you? I think that's going to disarm the system and you're going to allow to, people to speak out in a way they wouldn't otherwise. And you'll, you'll get closer to the solutions quicker. Yes. All right. So let's keep going. Number two, what's the second way to well, lead people when you're not the expert. Yeah, the second thing to do is to delegate. Now, our boss, Tyler Gregory, is the executive pastor here. He's he's tried really hard to get our leadership team, our executive team, to push decisions down in the organization, to push them down and delegate. Now, I will say this is a hard one, especially at Eagle Brook. We hire people who are highly capable and highly responsible and people who could make every decision in fact, when I make a decision, and I know you feel this way too, Don, that I just feel a greater sense of ownership when I do. But when I hand off the decision about, for example, in my world, um, that group's promo video that we showed or that social media post that had some writing that, you know, when I push that down and say, hey, you decide, you decide, you decide, I'm entrusting someone else to make the right call that, guess what, <laughs> may end up reflecting right back on me. Because great leaders, even if they delegate, they delegate, they still take responsibility for the decision that was made. So I'll just say right away, this is not an easy one. It's not easy to let go and delegate. But here's what I found to be true. No one wants to work for a leader who makes every decision. No one does. They, they might at times push it back to you and say, no, I, I can't make this decision. Please you know, decide. And I get there's times for that. But if if I, as a leader, make every decision, those people that work for me will feel more like robots than empowered leaders. And Don, I would say, you know, you're one of the leaders I respect and admire the most, and you're really good at this. You are really good. You don't, you don't have a high sense of control. You're really good at delegating. So how do you go about delegating? Well, thanks for saying that. I don't always know that I feel that way, but I would say that delegation requires forethought. 
If you're winging something, if you're not organized, it's very hard to delegate. So, I mean, for an example, if I swing into a meeting and I hadn't put any forethought into the meeting, I can't ask you to play a part or someone else to play a part in the meeting. If I have forethought and have a strategic plan for a meeting, I can say, hey, how about you take the devotional? How about you take uh, the goal setting? You take a mixer piece of it. You take different elements of the meeting. Uh, so it requires forethought. Now that sounds kind of obvious, but on, most leaders kind of don't do that. They show up in meetings. They haven't done the forethought. They show up, let's just say on a weekend service and you say, hey, how about you do the announcements today? Here's the three things. I got them on a note card for you. And then, you know, that's kind of difficult delegation. So the further you can get ahead of it, the better you can delegate. And I think also that leaders by nature are doers. And so a leader usually gets to leadership ranks by doing good things and by being faithful to what's given them. So it's very hard to say, like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let you do it or I'm going to ask you to do it. But I think leaders that lead at a next level eventually see success in somebody else's success. Mm. And so when I pass that on and I get to see you succeed, even though I kind of wanted to do it because I love doing that, that's hard to do. But then I think that's when you see the power of leadership is letting somebody else's success be your success. So getting ahead of it, not maybe even depriving yourself sometimes of the doing so that you can have others do it are just a couple things to think mm, about. That was good. Man, if we tweeted, I would tweet, leaders find success in someone else's success. Yeah, That's really good. Well, one of my favorite parts of my job is let's just say Easter, and we get to go to all 10 locations. And you get to see essentially all, all 10 campus pastors doing their thing, Jeff online as well, 11 campus pastors. I feel this sense of pride every time I see them lead, like, look at what they're doing. Look at the way they're leading. Look at the way they communicate. Look at how their staff is operating. And, and as much as I miss being a campus pastor and like having boots on the ground, like I've just, in this season of leadership, watching them succeed actually does bring me as much joy yeah. as when I did it. So yeah, it's great. a difference and I miss it at times, but I think that's what leaders do is eventually, yeah, see success in others. Yeah. You said something too, I wanted to point out, you said it requires forethought just to be intentional with it. I think sometimes it's easier to just be the decision maker. Oh yeah. It's less time consuming. Always faster, <laughs> always just, quicker. Can I just decide, I, I can't possibly hand this off because I'm gonna have to explain it and teach Follow it and up. make sure yep. they have the right vision. Um, but we'll delegate if, if we really find success in someone else's success. That's so good. One other thing I want to say about this, if you're the person who makes all the decisions, especially in more complex, bigger organizations, frankly, even smaller organizations, smaller companies, even in your family. So this does apply wide ranging. Um, it just creates a log jam. You know, for, if you're the person that has to make every decision and everything has to funnel through you in order to do X, Y, Z, um, it's going to be way too top heavy. It, there's going to be way too many stop gaps. They're going to be waiting for you who maybe you had a day off and especially in today's 24 seven connected world. Like I'm not responding to email. I'm on vacation. I, and if people are just sitting around waiting for you as the leader to make every single decision, the organization will have no flow to it. People will leave frustrated. So hmm. 
It's good. Again, the way to lead experts, they don't want you to always be the expert and make every decision. Delegate, delegate, delegate. And just as a reminder, this is a common theme throughout this podcast. You're just not that good or smart anyway. So <laughs> hand it off to someone else. There you go. Good reminder, <laughs> sobering reminder for the day. Okay, on to number three. What's the third way to lead when you're not the Okay, expert? so we've had ask questions, delegate, and the third is appreciate. I just believe to my core that the world does not have enough encouragement and appreciation in it. Now, I'll admit, (laughs) I'm a words of affirmation, love languages guy. I also have exhortation in my top three spiritual gifts. So I naturally lean this way. But here's what I find to be true. When you're not the expert, the questions you have to process through, and I've battled this myself truly, and I still do almost every single day, you have to battle and ask yourself, are you envious of other people's skills and knowledge and abilities and expertise, or do you truly appreciate what they bring to the table? Because it is a fine line. And the questions I ask myself almost at the end of every work week, did I take enough time to encourage people? Did I take enough time to let them know how grateful I am for them? Did I point out specific ways they brought a level of expertise to the table. Paul again writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 11, he says, encourage one another and build each other up. And I just believe that you can't encourage and appreciate someone enough. Just to give you an example, this fall, we start a brand new series called How Happiness Happens. And we began with this opening experience on the first weekend that was just world-class. Now it took dozens of experts completing only what they can do at that level. But three in particular kind of led the way. It was Ben Wilson, who's our um, lead media producer, Molly Heron, who plays many different roles and wears many different hats on staff. And she was helping with this project. And Mike Donnelly, who's an associate creative producer. These three people are experts. I mean, unreal talent and ability. Now, when this project happens, by the way, they all report up through me. (laughs) At the end of the day, should I be the one standing in front, taking the affirmation, taking the credit, or should I be passing it on to someone else? Now, I hope as a leader, they see me passing on. I did all I could to point the finger at them and tell everyone who would listen that they are the people who deserve the credit. And by the way, those people, every time you encourage and affirm them, Ben Wilson specifically would say, uh, it was it was the whole rest of the team. It was the whole rest of the team. <laughs> you know, they were, people are always affirming and passing it on. But I want to be a leader as someone who leads experts that I'm telling them how appreciative uh, I am of their expertise and that I'm encouraging them in their expertise. Hmm. Well, I'll just say you are very gifted at this. You are an incredible encourager. I felt encouraged by you many, many times. And, uh, you know, one thing I've overlooked as a leader, especially in leading experts, is that I can think that they already know that they're an expert. Like they already know how great they are at this. And so do I even really need to say it? And this is maybe, I don't know if I should admit this, but maybe I'm afraid of puffing up their ego. Like I wouldn't want them to feel overconfident with their gift. <laughs> right, right. And that's probably not the right way to handle that. I think you're right to make sure just to say the words, you're really good at what you do. And even going back to our earlier examples, does somebody need to tell Michael Jordan you're really good at that? Well, honestly, sometimes it's okay to hear the words, you know, like they're hearing them from a lot of people, but, but I think to hear it from your boss, especially if you are the leader of experts, 
really holds a lot of weight. And I don't think we can refrain from doing that and we can't even really do it enough. Let's be chief encouragers to those that we lead. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you're great at that. So I love that that was one of your points. Yeah. Uh, let's keep going. Okay. How about on a number four? All right, this is the last one. Uh, the fourth and final thing to do is, is to, and this seems counterintuitive, but it's to actually decide. Um, that's right. Despite all we've talked about, asking questions, delegating, appreciating, sometimes... Oftentimes, as the leader, even the leader of many, many experts, you are the one that has to be the decision maker. Just to give you another recent example, and we were talking about this right before we started recording, but um, you're probably aware, if you've listened to this podcast at all, uh, that we are hyper-focused on making everything better at our church. It's one of our staff commitments to make things better down to every word, every detail. We want to make it better so that we are more effective at reaching people for Christ. Well, when we did a preview, which we play a couple weeks before of our fall project, we did a preview for just several of our staff who come and watch the video and hear the vision and whatever parts are done with it, we kind of roll it out. We play it so that we can pick it apart and make it even better. This might sound crazy to some people. But while we were watching this fall project, two weeks before it was supposed to come out uh, for our actual attenders, we had several people who disagreed about the best way to start the service. I mean, I was just telling you before the podcast, it's like crossfire. I mean, you're yeah. just, you know, people are just firing lasers in a, in a healthy way, by right. the way. There, there wasn't... Um, any vitriol or <laughs> angry mm-hmm. words spoken, but people are passionate about defending their expert opinion on how we should, for example, start the service. Mm. And so we were, of course, thinking about the new person um, who was showing up for the very first time, which is often our filter. We were also thinking about the person who's been coming for a long time. Uh, because the series was called How Happiness Happens, we're thinking about the hap- uh, how happy the actual person was, whether mm-hmm. they were happy or sad when they came in. So the point I'm making is we just had strong expert opinions. And by the way, this happens all the time in my world. So what do you need to do even when you're not the expert? Well, sometimes you have to be the decision maker. A little context here too. I'm a green in the four temperaments. Um, It's a teaching by Kathleen Edelman of how um, people respond with communication and in different work settings. We all have a unique temperament that God has wired us innately with. Well, I'm a green, which green is, I never know how to say this word, but melancholic. Mm-hmm. Kathleen Edelman's gonna be here in so November. Right. And She'll so correct you. Melancholic. Yeah. But, but greens are balanced and stable and rational. And frankly, greens don't love conflict. Also, Jesus was more than likely a green, says oh, Kathleen Edelman, throws that who is the time. expert in the, uh, all things temperaments. <laughs> and so I just like to say that I'm much like, you know, most like Jesus. Yeah, you never pass that up. No. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. My green can actually work for me in really healthy ways or <laughs> very much against me. The four ways, you know, I truly empathize with people's opinions. I like feel them. I'm not disagreeing in my spirit. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right, Nate. You know, you're right, Dave. You're right, TJ. I'm like feeling them. And I also, this is kind of the negative side. I can feel for them. Uh, it works against me because I can, I, I don't love conflict. <laughs> I hate disappointing people. Well, here's a thing I've learned in leadership. And I'm sure someone taught me this along the way, but I've learned it really the hard way personally, that with every decision, someone is going to be unhappy. Every single decision you make, someone 
is going to be unhappy. And yet sometimes the best thing you can do is just decide and move forward because when you're the leader, that's your job. That's my job. I mean, at the end of the day, I have to make that, that call, that decision. And if you've asked questions, if you've delegated what you can, if you've appreciated, acknowledged someone's expertise and opinion, sometimes, well, you just have to decide. Yeah. You know, like somebody listening might say, well, that's kind of cool that you get to be the decision maker. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, you're laughing because there's the whole other side of that. There's a lot of times I don't want to be the, somebody else solve this whole thing. I don't want to figure that out. Can you guys just work it out? Like, no, they can't. No, (laughs) they they can't because they actually believe like opposite things. (laughs) And then you have to make a decision, which does place you and leaders in general in a, a difficult place. And I would just say, even for me, like decision-making isn't my strongest suit because my ideation can compete with my decision-making process. Uh, With my ideation, I always think there's one more idea and it's going to be a better idea. Oh, and then the next idea is going to be a better idea. And so it's very hard for me to like cut it off and say, okay, there it is. That's the decision. But what I've also come to believe is that the people you lead crave clarity. I mean, they actually want a decision made. And then they can decide, am I on board with that or not on board with that? They have to kind of deal with their stuff in it, but at least clarity is something that people crave. And so I think as deci- as leaders, uh, if we can help make decisions and communicate them clearly in a compassionate way, then everybody wins. And so even leading experts, I think sometimes people just need to, oh, okay, somebody make the call. Here's where we're going to go. You and I get to sit in the middle of that and uh, I always enjoy watching you sit in the middle of your team <laughs> making those decisions. <laughs> I don't envy your job often, yeah. uh, but you do a great job at it. So these are great points on how to, how to lead when you're not the expert. Yeah, just to ask a follow-up question with that, because I do know that about you, where I'm more taking in people's opinions and wanting to make sure everyone's been heard. You do that too, but your ideation takes it to, well, maybe this isn't the best decision yet. Mm-hmm. So how have you learned how to, and I've heard this term used by Craig Rochelle, Life Church, but the Gitmo, good enough to move on. Like mm-hmm. at some point, you've ideated enough, you brainstorm enough, you squeeze enough out of it. Sometimes you just mm-hmm. have to say, oh yeah, this is the decision. How have you learned to manage that in yourself? Because you've been burned by that in the past of just letting yourself continue to ideate, ideate. Hey, let's talk about this more and more and more. Yeah, all right. How have you learned how to navigate that? Well, it's a great question. I wish I had like a really good answer because <laughs> I don't even know. I, I do feel like I'm okay at listening it. I don't have a problem with the conflict. I don't, you know, as you kind of, I can feel the tension that you have that you don't like conflict. I don't struggle with that as much. I grew up in Chicago where that was a little bit more of the temperament. So I'm okay with letting all the ideas come out. Uh, But I do think when I can consolidate and say, okay, I think we've come to a consensus. Here's what I think is best. We might not all be at 100% on this, but maybe we're at 80%. That seems to be good enough, uh, even to the Groeschel factor there. I think that's good enough for us to make a decision and move forward. I'm then able just to stay like, that's what we're doing moving forward. And so I do think there is a, a bit of bringing together, consolidating getting consensus best as possible and then moving forward. But it's not easy. I mean, let's be honest. This is the hard stuff of leadership that we're talking about. So it's this is a great topic. I just love that you've taught us on this. Yeah, that's great what you said too, just to point that out. You you said there is a point where you summarize the yeah. work that you've done up until that point. Yeah, I think that's helpful for people. Mm-hmm. People who want to also feel like they're a part of the conversation. Right. So that's part of the challenge of leading experts is that they want to be heard mm-hmm. 
And sometimes they forget that they have been heard. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes the leader, we haven't done a good job of again asking questions or delegating or appreciating. Mm-hmm. But I think that, and so key what you said, this is kind of beyond our, our notes here, but you, you said something like, you got, you got to summarize, um, this is the amount of work that we've done to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And we may not be 100%, mm-hmm. but let's agree to move on from this point because we've done all we can yeah. to squeeze out of it. I think that's so important to like basically acknowledge they've been heard. Yeah, a lot of people are on the other side of that where they thought, oh, you just heard something, you made a decision right away. Uh, and sometimes and some happens, leaders do that, yeah, and that's a problem. That, that is a problem, <laughs> and that's even the rare case, I think. Uh, but to help people know how you got there just seems to disarm the system a little bit. Like, oh, okay, they went through a process, but that's good. Any concluding thoughts from you? Yeah, I'll just say um, I, I really do believe in this teaching because I think no matter what our setting is, there's going to be situations we all find ourselves in where we are leading people who are just, for lack of a better term, better than we are Mm -hmm. in some shape or form. And so if you think at any point you're the only expert who's capable of leading or making decisions, you're probably just really young. But that (laughs) I was there too. (laughs) But I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if you think you're that person, no one is following you. Every time I've been around a leader who acts like they're the expert in every single way when they're actually not, they're that emperor who's not wearing any clothes. I promise you, everyone is talking about them. Mm. (laughs) So don't be that person. And for the church, the mission is just too critical. The church is too important. Those people you lead are too valuable. So what I've learned, and this will probably continue to change over the years, but ask questions, ask a lot of questions and really listen, then delegate responsibility and decision-making. Hey, you decide. Hey, that's a great great question. Why don't you take the answer and take a stab at that? Appreciate people's expertise and say it in specific ways. Mm-hmm. I found it's actually not enough to say, oh, you're just really good. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Out of way. Out of way. Say something specific about what you appreciate about them. You don't need to do it every day and every, I'm not saying that, but Go through your team and ask yourself, when's the last time you appreciated someone's expertise specifically? And then as a leader, sometimes you're the person that just has to decide, even if you're not the expert. Mm -hmm. Well, that is awesome content. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for thinking that out and communicating that. uh, The leaders that are listening, I really do think if we were to take those uh, steps and put them into place, we'd all, all be better leaders. Just love it. Well, that's all we got for this episode of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. When leaders get better, the church gets better. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.